Um, well, I just want to add my welcome. Hello, everyone. It's great to see you all. Um, this is absolutely the biggest Zoom I've ever been part of. So it's a real joy. Um, and as Carl just said, we are coming to the end of a series, our series on the book of Ruth. And hopefully you've picked up as we've been going along. But the book of Ruth comes just after the book of Judges in the Bible. And the book of Judges contains a lot of stories which ultimately display some of the failures of God's people, the Israelites. And then after that, then we get to the book of Ruth and we come to this short four chapter story, which is so full of hope and new beginnings. And it almost welcomes us into a new phase of Israel's history. Obviously, there is no doubt, as I'm sure you all know, that there are monumental ups and downs um, in Israel's history as it goes on. But I see in this story of Ruth, and hopefully you've seen it too, just this amazing glimpse of the goodness to come in Jesus and the gospel of grace that we cling to as Christians. So just before we get into some worship, I thought that it'd be good just to centre our thoughts on Jesus now. It is for him that we gather and that we worship and we join together as his body. So my favourite line in Ruth comes at the end of chapter one and it says, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And this really short, simple line is so full of expectation. Some of you may know that Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread and if you're not gluten-free, then when you think of bread, you might think of sustenance or fullness and provision. Ruth and Naomi, they enter Bethlehem, the house of bread. And as we read today, all of their needs are met. They find lavish sustenance and the bounty of the harvest. Now, this is probably quite controversial to say on a Zoom call so large in England, but I am a Welsh rugby fan. And in years gone by, I've been to the Principality Stadium in Cardiff and, you know, gotten suitably rowdy with the crowd. And we've sung that amazing Welsh hymn, Bread of Heaven. I won't sing it, even though it looks like I'm a singer right now. Um, bread of heaven, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. And being in a crowd with thousands of people all singing that song is phenomenal. But for us, what this song invites us to do as Christians is to feed off of the very bread of heaven. That is Jesus. We come to Jesus himself born in Bethlehem, the house of bread, which is no small coincidence. And in John 6, 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. This is an extraordinary promise of eternal provision and eternal sustenance, which was bought for us by Jesus' life, death and resurrection. So as we worship now, let us just feel the call or if we don't feel it, let us know it in our minds that we are being invited to come to metaphorical Bethlehem, to the house of bread, to the kingdom of heaven. Um, so let's worship now. Um, let's worship Jesus with thanksgiving for the amazing bounty that we find in him. Boaz marries Ruth. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. 
When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so that I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you and I am the next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth, the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all of the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabitess, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today, you are my witnesses. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrata and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your life and family be like that of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. The genealogy of David. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nation, Nation, the father of Salmon, Salmon, the father of Boaz, Boaz, the father of Obed, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, and thanks be to Liz for that fantastic reading. Brilliant. So we have come to the end of Ruth and I hope you're all pleased with the ending. It was a real fairy tale ending there. And we've been looking at the characters of Ruth and Boaz. And throughout the series, we've really been looking at them and thinking about how they 
make us think of God's character. They really inspire us to think of how God is loyal. They show faithfulness to each other and they show this hesed, which we spoke about last week, this loving kindness. They reflect a lot of God's character and um, we've spoken a lot about that, but there's also no denying, folks, that these two are couple goals, okay? Ruth and Boaz, they are goals. When I was doing some research for this talk and sort of getting clued up, then one of the, um, one of the things that I found was some hilarious memes about Ruth and Boaz. And it was mainly ones projected towards Christian women to say, hold out for your Boaz, you will find your Boaz and all of this. He's a real hunk in the story. And um, in 248 days in Sidwell Street Methodist Church, I will be marrying my Boaz, aka Harry. And I'm obviously very excited. We're going to have a great time. It'll be brilliant. And maybe that's why I love this story so much. And one of the reasons I've been thinking about this story um, in this season of my life. And as I've been thinking about it, I've been thinking about how Ruth and Boaz, their relationship and then later their marriage is so marked by purpose. They have been grounded in this giving, in this self-sacrificial love. They've been vulnerable with each other. Last week, we read about how vulnerable Ruth was when she went to the threshing floor. I mean, that was so unsafe for women, but she went there. And also in their relationship, then Boaz and Ruth, they pass goodness to and from each other. And their love is also so full of redemption. And that's the main theme that I'm going to pick up on today. But it's also something which I thought was amazing is how... The story is about redemption for both parties. We're going to be focusing on how Boaz redeems Ruth and Naomi today. But in fact, there was also a redemption for Boaz because he never knew that this new phase in his life would happen. And he was so thankful to Ruth for that. In chapter 3, verse 10, he says on the threshing floor, he says, May you be blessed, my daughter. This last instance of your loyalty is better than the first. So their marriage is so full of redemption, but it's also for the glory of the whole people. So in the passage that Liz has just read in verse 17 of chapter four, then they say a son has been born to Naomi. So it's as if this birth, this marriage is a celebration of the family. It's for the whole community in Bethlehem. And um, ultimately, it's for the glory of God as well. And we'll look a little bit more about that in a second. So their marriage is so full of love. And it's really, um, it's really that bit that I want to think about in terms of the redemption of that love, especially in Boaz's action in this last chapter. So it's in this moment that we really reach the pinnacle of Boaz's action and his love. So he is seeking to do something for the legacy of Elimelech, who was Naomi's husband, who died back in chapter one. We read about that in the first week. And so Boaz is looking for a way to bring this family into a new situation. 
And the phrase that this chapter keeps on using is kinsman redeemer. And it's pretty alien to us. I mean, I don't I don't use it in my regular parlance. But in this context, we're thinking about a person who is bound by law, by Jewish law. So the Torah, the first five books of the Bible is a person who is bound by Jewish law to have the responsibility of rescuing or redeeming a relative who is in trouble or in distress. And that certainly was Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. They had both been left widowed and that was a very dangerous um, position to be in as women. And so Boaz seeks to find this first kinsman redeemer, someone who is probably closer to Naomi and Ruth. And Boaz says, would you like to redeem the family and fortunately after a bit of to and fro then that person cannot redeem the family and so Boaz must have been buzzing because then he was able to step up and he absorbs that responsibility. So Boaz expresses his faithfulness to Ruth by redeeming her through marriage and he claims her and all that she represents as his own. Something that I was really struck by was how Ruth actually, as a Moabite, and the Moabites were enemies of Israel, would have been in opposition to Boaz. They were different people from different clans. Not only that, but her life was bound to sadness and to grief and despair and loss. But Boaz, as her kinsman redeemer, he drew her close and he replaced all of those things. He replaced her sadness with joy, her grief with gladness, her despair with purpose and her loss with extraordinary gain. And he welcomed her, adopted her into new life. So that is sort of the central themes of of this end chapter. But let's just take a couple of minutes to look at that genealogy at the end. So if you're anything like me in your quiet time, when you get to a genealogy, you think, can I skip this? Can I just avoid that? You know, is it really going to feed me? And I hear you. There's sometimes lots of confusing names. It's all a bit baffling. But if we skim this wonderful genealogy, then I think we missed something important. So let's just have a little look. Hopefully you've got your Bibles. Let's look at verses 21 to 22 of chapter 4. So here we have Salmon, interesting name. From Salmon came Boaz. From Boaz came Obed. From Obed came Jesse and from Jesse came David. Okay, so this is King David. So the David at the end of that genealogy is King David, who we read about in the books of Samuel and who authored many of the amazing Psalms that we read in the Bible. But something that's really important to note is how the line of descendants go from this local family in Bethlehem and continues to go out into the start of a royal lineage. From King David, it opens up even more. In the Gospel of Matthew, we we read that from this line of King David came Joseph the carpenter, who was our Lord Jesus' earthly father, who was in charge of taking care of Mary and Jesus and his brothers and sisters. 
So from this one local family, from this story of Ruth, Boaz and Naomi, then we extend to the start of a royal lineage, lineage of the kings of Judah and Israel. But then it goes out even further to think of Jesus, the saviour of the whole world. If we as, as Christians, we believe that the whole Bible is inspired and God breathed, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, then we can read Ruth's book in the knowledge that God is leading us towards the ultimate guardian redeemer, the greater one who is to come. A couple of weeks ago, we heard from the brilliant Bishop Jackie, who said the line, which has really stuck with me. She said, at all times, a greater story is being told. And, you know, I'm sort of using that as my mantra at the moment in this strange time. And maybe you'd want to do the same. It's certainly something to hold on to and um, to put our hope in. But it also makes us think of that phrase in the time of Ruth. After that catastrophe of judges and the failures of God's people, then this story shows us a greater story is being told. So if we were just to think of one thing to take away from this passage in Ruth, this final chapter, with its themes and with this historical genealogy, it's that the whole narrative is a precursor for the gospel. It is a small glimpse of God's redemptive plan for us. The whole story of Ruth is just saturated with echoes of the Lord Jesus. Jesus came to us when we were lost and we were overwhelmed by sin. We were enemies to him in a similar way that Ruth the, the Moabite was an enemy to Israel. We were enemies to Jesus. It says in Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that extraordinary? While we were still set apart, Jesus went that way to redeem us, to claim us as his own, to put our sin to death on a cross. And to show us that that was not the end, then he rose to new life to invite us into partnership with him, to have purpose and to be part of a new creation under his rule and reign. So we as followers of Jesus, I think, are called not just to read the story of Ruth in the wonder that it is, in the lovely historical story of a small group of people in Bethlehem, or even to see it as a lovely rom-com. I mean, I think the BBC should buy rights to this because it would be fantastic. We don't need to see it as this past event, but to see it actually in a way that makes us love and honour God. We have access to the read this story in awe and wonder that what Boaz did for Ruth and Naomi, Jesus has done for us. This may or may not look like it did for them. Obviously, they experienced the excitement and the wonder of these rich earthly blessings. You know, if we're thinking about Bethlehem being the house of bread, it really was that for them. They really did experience this overwhelming sustenance and prosperity of a new life. But for us, I think it highlights something different, but something even greater. Jesus has redeemed us eternally. 
which means that we feed off of the very bread of heaven that will sustain us and satisfy our spirits forever, not just in this life. So today, let's, um, let's feel that call to remember this great and wonderful thing that Jesus has done for us. Let's talk and celebrate and give thanks for our salvation in Jesus, for the fact that we have eternal sustenance in the bread of heaven. One of the questions which you might want to think about this week um, off the back of this series is actually how can you commemorate or mark what Jesus has done for you personally? Because I bet that Ruth and Naomi would have been celebrating their socks off at the prospect of this new life, at this new redemption. But how much more should it stir hope in our hearts that we have been redeemed by the saviour and creator of the world? It might be that you want to start reciting Bible passages to yourself or memorising verses more to really stir hope and thanks in your hearts. The Psalms are an amazing place to go to, if you can't find the words, to read the words that have already been written and to allow that to glorify God um, and lift up your praise to him. But it also might be that you want to practice either preaching the gospel to yourself or ringing a friend and just telling each other the gospel. Obviously, one of our greatest missions, if not the greatest mission as a Christian, is to spread the good news of Jesus. But we also as Christians need to be immersed in that reality daily. We need to daily be reminding ourselves that we no longer need to strive for God's favour because it has been bought for us. We need to daily be rejoicing and celebrating in our freedom. So we're going to go into our breakout rooms now and firstly you'll have um, an opportunity to introduce yourselves and then you're just going to have a brief chat about some of the things that stood out to you in this text or in some of the things that I've just said. But um, before we do that I'm going to pray and then we'll go to the breakout rooms. So shall we pray together? In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8, it says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David. That is my gospel. Lord Jesus, right now we stand as your body, the church, and we just declare and glorify you for the freedom you have brought for us. We rejoice in you, God our Saviour, and we thank you that we are eternally sustained by you and your spirit within us. Lord God, as we go throughout our week, I just pray that we would feel prompted to rejoice and celebrate and mark what you have done. Would you draw us deeper into your presence this week to know the reality of your provision and that that provision goes far into eternity that awaits us. Be with us now, God, as we go into the breakout rooms and would you inspire our thoughts and would we know your nearness. In Jesus' name, amen.